0: I hope all of you at home are doing wonderful this morning as uh, pastor Andrew mentioned just a minute ago we are continuing our gut fruit uh, series as you can uh, see on your computer screens there I wanted to start with the story a woman was being tailgated by a stressed- out man on a busy boulevard suddenly the yellow light or the light turned yellow just in front of her she did the right thing, stopped at the crosswalk, even though she could have beaten the red, uh, by accelerating through the intersection. The tailgating man hit the roof and the horn, screaming in frustration as he missed, as she missed her chance to get through the intersection and him also being right on her bumper. As he was still in mid rant, he heard a tap on the window. He looked up, into the face of a various, very serious police officer. The officer ordered him to exit the car with his uh, hands up. He was searched, handcuffed, and placed in the back seat of the patrol car. After about 30 minutes of, of interaction on his radio uh, and in the car computer, the officer looked at the man and let him out and released him. He said, I'm very sorry for this mistake. I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, flipping off the lady in front of you and cussing a blue streak at him. I noticed the Choose Life license plate holder, the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker, and the Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker, and the chrome-plated fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I assume you had your car stolen. In case you don't understand that story, he was not exemplifying the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, we're going to continue Galatians uh, 5, verse 22, looking at the fruits of the Spirit. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And today we're settling on gentleness. You know, gentleness is sometimes translated As meekness or humility and it stands as dramatic uh, contrast to the aggressiveness which so many of us tend to engage our world with we live in a culture which celebrates qualities such as aggressiveness such as speaking out for your rights for other people's rights speaking out is is very much valued in this day. Qualities like gentleness and meekness don't seem in this day and age to really stand much of a chance. Two words are related. In both the two words, meekness and, and gentleness, are both related. And both we're going to talk about today. Gentleness, just as way of definition, is an active trait. How we should initiate action towards others. And meekness, it's a passive trait. How we respond when others mistreat us. Let's be clear. Meekness is not equal to weakness. Let me give you a few examples of powerful men of god who used demonstrations of gentleness and meekness we'll start with looking at moses i'm just going to skim through a few people that stood out to me moses was facing opposition from his brother aaron and from his sister who were mad at moses wife and becoming jealous over the recognition that moses received from people Uh, Just a footnote, isn't it interesting that pettiness and jealousy is a universal thing? It's not something that we just uh, experience nowadays, but we find represented in the Scriptures. Numbers 12, verse 3, makes this comment. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Another example, as David was fleeing from Jerusalem, after his son Absalom's takeover, a man who had been supporter of the previous king saw came out and threw rocks and cursed David as he was passing by. Of course, King David's companions were instantly outraged and wanted and figured the only right thing to do in that circumstance was have that man instantly killed. But Mo, But David demonstrated meekness when he said, Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told me to. It may be that the Lord will see me or see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I have received today, and that's found in second Timothy chapter sixteen verse eleven. If we continue on looking for examples, we see God told Jeremiah to warn the nation of God's displeasure and the consequences of of their continued disobedience. And of course we know, like good human beings, they didn't listen at all. So typical, where we as humans don't tend to listen very easily to God at times. And so the response to that was an enraged crowd that caused some of them to want to kill, kill Jeremiah And his response was not to try and defend himself. I wonder how often when we're facing attacks, when we're facing aggressiveness towards us, our instant response is aggressive defensiveness. He said, as for me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. And someone reminded the crowd of how God had used prophets in the past And he was saved at the last minute. Or we can look at Stephen. Stephen was one of the early leaders selected to serve a growing church in Jerusalem. He was described as a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit. And he boldly spoke out for Jesus. And we know from the scriptures that he was falsely accused of blasphemy. That word? They brought him before the Sanhedrin, the religious high court, where he delivered a bold message of repentance. He was sentenced to be stoned to death. And as he was being stoned, the Bible says this, Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold their sins against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. It's found in Acts 7, verse 60. And he was killed without a hint of self-righteousness, of self-defense, without a hint of anger, without a hint of how dare you, don't you know who I am? Paul, he was prisoned when he wrote this to Timothy. He was on trial and was later executed. This man who had penned much of the New Testament and had influenced lives, thousands of people, of his generation, I mean, and to this day has uh, had effect on billions of people, but in that day, thousands of people of his generation. He writes of his legal proceedings, At my first defense, no one came to support me. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them using today's logic that just it just doesn't compute in today's terms it that that that's not perceived as the way to do things in society every one of these men could have responded with aggression every one of them could have reacted in anger and really we'd feel according to today's standards that they were justified but god we know, use their meekness to demonstrate a characteristic of himself that he longs to become reality in the lives of all people who call themselves Christ's followers. I uh, I like visuals myself. I'm a very visual person. And so I found a video uh, that I thought would be a great visual metaphor uh, to use for this word. Uh, The word gentleness sometimes can seem so vague. And so uh, let's watch this video together.
1: With the ariscos subdued, the gauchos make the day-long trek back to the main ranch, where taming can begin. From the wild herd, they have chosen just three.
0: We're just having some technical difficulties. Sorry about this.
1: Are they able Today to hear it on the stream? Intensifies. will face one arisco
2: alone desde chico me gustaron los caballos y me gustó la parte de domar digamos de poder convertir un cavallo de arisco a manso
1: each couch
2: has its own style lo que tenés que lograr es la, captar la atención del potro entonces lo que haces es asustarlo hasta que se dé cuenta que si te mira vos estás quieto y, y tranquilo y si él está mirando para otro lado hay algo que lo asusta
1: el Watches her ears, her nostrils. Patiently, he works his magic.
0: Es una concentración.
2: La satisfacción más grande que me da es poder andar o montar un caballo que lo domé yo.
1: In just 3 hours, this mare has gone from wild to tame as she begins a new life with the gauchos.
0: As I watch that video, first off, there used to be a thought in the horse training world, and I don't know this because I'm an expert. I read this because I learned about this this week. I've never trained a horse in my life, Um, but they used to think that you had to break them, and that breaking was this uh, aggressive thing where you yelled and you slapped them, and basically. What they discovered was in the process of breaking a horse, they didn't have a horse that had formed a trusting relationship with the master, but they had built a relationship where the horse was responding out of fear. And it actually took longer for them to train the horses uh, using this hyper-aggressive technique than, uh, I mean, I said in that video, three hours to train a wild horse went from being completely skittish to, uh, uh trusting the trainer. Uh, and, and here's the reality. The horse is not a timid creature. It's not a creature that is, uh, naturally, uh, going to back down and submit to you. It is a very strong, aggressive natured, high-strung animal, just like humans are. So you have two equally high-strung beings, mammals, that are both facing off together. And so they discovered with the horse that it's easier to train and have a lasting relationship with the horse if you use gentleness, uh, to overcome, uh, with the, with the horse. As I watched that video, there's a number of thoughts that came to mind uh that reminded me of a biblical defi- definition of gentleness. Gentleness is submissiveness, not just to each other, but to God and his word. Gentleness requires teachability. Gentleness is being considerate of others. And really, at the end of the day, gentleness is power under control. I want to start with looking at a biblical standard for gentleness. Of all the men that we looked at earlier that exhibited gentleness and humility at times, I think they came to understand it because of the relationship with God. And there's this one particular human that came to earth that gave us the ultimate example Example of being able to have this ultimate power, but yet exhibiting uh, gentleness and power under control. And of course, we know that that person is Jesus Himself. When you look at the life of Jesus and the, what characterized the life of Jesus, one of the things that stands out is the gentleness that he had gentleness was his nature really never before in human history was there an example of a being in religion who there's who their defining characteristic included gentleness and humility if you look at religious leaders through history that's not something that you can use for very many of them as a defining characteristic so often Religion through history and the leaders of religious uh, organization through history have used their seat of power for advantage and for control and have come with this judging, harsh, aggressive attitude towards those of the congregants and uh, other leaders in the community um, in using their seat of religious power um, for their own self-good uh, and definitely not coming from a place of gentleness and humility. In a prophetic passage about Jesus, Isaiah says in uh, chapter 40, verse 11, he tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that are young. I wonder, have you ever found Jesus to be sufficient in a time of struggle or hardship or loneliness? if you've experienced that, you've experienced His gentleness. What a tender image the Scriptures give us of Jesus being a good shepherd who scoops up the young lamb and wraps His arms around it and puts it to His heart. That's the perfect image of Jesus that's the perfect image that you need to have in your mind's eye of God. In another prophecy, Isaiah wrote, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter and as a, as a sheep before his shares is silent. So he did not open his mouth that's found in isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 he would not defend himself even when his life was on the line even when his life literally depended on it he didn't use this abundance of power that he could draw from the ultimate power being god incarnate he continued to exhibit power under control in the last days of Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, as they came close, he made a, a dramatic, very dramatic approach into Jerusalem. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 5 says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came into the town of Bethphagee. I worked on that all week because it's a really hard word for me to pronounce, Bethphagee. So you should be impressed. If you're impressed, say, wow, Pastor Graham, you're amazing in chat right now. And then I'll read it later and feel so good at myself. Everyone here is thoroughly impressed, by the way. They're just in awe. Getting thumbs up. So as they, as they came to the town of Bephagi on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt by its side. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This took place to fulfill this prophecy. And this procession was really reminiscent of what would take place when Roman generals were returning from battle. They would ride in with a big hoorah, hoopla, on a big powerful white steed and come through the gates of Jerusalem and say, look at me, aren't I amazing? And everyone would stand in awe and cheer and uh, it would just be this crazy procession. Jesus, unlike these uh, other generals and kings coming home from war, He came through the gates bringing good news to the people. But he didn't do it as so many other generals had done it in history. He didn't come with the spoils of war. He came gently on an unassuming animal, a young donkey, as opposite as you could get from a noble steed, I think even a llama might have been better than a donkey. Even in prof- and even in a prophetic demonstration of coming victory over death, he didn't rise himself up on a pedestal. He humbled himself and he showed his gentle nature. Peter later wrote about Jesus in his modeled gentleness. He says, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 23, "When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly." I wonder for you and I how easily we would be able to follow the example of Jesus. A gospel of gentleness. Not only did Jesus provide an example with His actions, but He taught us in, in Matthew of chapter eleven, twenty-eight through 30 Then Jesus said, Come to Me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you, it is light. I wonder how many of you have read this passage and misunderstood jesus words when he talks about the yoke how many of us have read it and not fully comprehended it and because of that have misunderstood what he was trying to say here the point that he was trying to make when he was referring to a heavy yoke we probably looked at it and automatically thought that he was referring to what oxen would wear on their shoulders but he's not referring to heavy yoke that a pair of oxen would bear on their shoulders. Rather, in this passage, Jesus is using a phrase that rabbis often would use to encourage their followers to take on the yoke of Torah. In other words, that they would submit themselves to obeying and trusting the truth that Jesus taught. He would not only teach them that the words of God were preserved in the Torah, But he himself was and is the Word of God. John Gospel begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in describing himself as he was describing his call to others who would follow him, his heart in this message is the call to be gentle or to be gentled just like the horse had to learn to submit to its trainer as we watched in that in that video and to its training in order to be useful, you and I must decide if we are willing to submit to God and His Word in order to be used and to be useful for His kingdom's sake. I wonder how many of us could use that analogy to figure out that the reason we don't sense God's indwelling, God's spirit in our lives, is that just like a stubborn horse, we refuse to yield to our trainer. You and I naturally have this wild streak, this sinfulness within us that doesn't easily submit to the Word of God. One of the greatest struggles that the church faces in our calling to share the gospel, which means good news, is that those of us who profess with our words to speak for Jesus are often so unlike Jesus. We can take the good news and turn it into hate. You and I represent so many people from atrocities committed in the name of Jesus over the past 2,000 years. You and I, in so many people's eyes, bearing the name Christian, they don't see you and I, but they see the acts committed by the others committed, the others who call themselves followers of Christ over the last 2,000 years. So how... There's a gentle Christian act. Let me give you a couple examples that I have here. They may seem simple, but just listen. A gentle Christian we don't act like know-it-alls. We don't have to speak in every single situation. There's a time to talk and more importantly and this should be most of the time there's a time to listen we need to know sorry when we need to address a wrong opinion we do so with persuasion with kindness rather than domination and intimidation we know that hurting people hurt people people are dealing with difficult things people who are difficult to deal with deal with those people around them naturally in a aggressive way and so we need to understand there are a lot of people around us and maybe you yourself are dealing with something difficult And so we need to recognize that there are a lot of hurting people that are around us. And in your response to people, you can either respond with Christ-like gentleness when they are responding in a hurt way, which can make, sorry, you can respond with aggressiveness, which can make these hurting people who are hurting you make their lives more messy, or you can respond with meekness with kindness, with gentleness, which can surprise, sometimes catch people off guard when these hurting people are hurting you and can mess them up in a good way. They're like, wait a second, that wasn't what I expected. I'm telling you off because I'm hurting. You don't know that necessarily, but I'm telling you off because I'm hurting. And everyone else would be getting right back in my face. Reminds me of something that happened this week. I was trying to reach out to a member of our congregation who is going through a difficult time and I had a wrong number for them, and apparently I wasn't the only one in our congregation that had the wrong number for them, which I sure found out. I it was an, it was an interesting response, this gentleman. Let's just leave it like that. Um, the person also their voice was a little bit slurred, so I gave them a little bit of grace in that area as well. But my response to that naturally, when someone is tearing a strip off me for something i can't help i didn't know it was the wrong number i didn't know however many other people had called looking for the exact same person which was the wrong person um and so my natural response as i'm sure most of you would have been to uh get tell this guy a thing or two that's that's not what christ asks of us and by the fact that at 10 o'clock in the morning this man was drunk. To me, that talks about other issues in his life. And so me responding in a natural, aggressive way, as opposed to what Christ asked of me to respond to a hurting person, that didn't help, that wouldn't have helped the situation. How does a gentle Christian act? We avoid hateful speech and harsh demeanor. We are sensitive to how others react to our words. We're considerate about how they feel. When it is necessary to wound, when it is necessary to wound, also include, that yeah, makes sense. I wrote it, but it didn't make sense to me in, at, at, at the time. It happens sometimes when, you, when you're preaching. Sometimes when it's necessary to wound, you also include encouragement with that. It's like um, they call it a sandwich. And so uh, there's other words used to describe it, but we'll just call it a sandwich. So sometimes it's necessary to bring correction into people's lives. I know I've had it times where I've had to be corrected. And so you don't just come at them with the harsh stuff and just lay it out and say, well, this is what you did wrong, and just lay it out. You sandwich it with kindness and with encouragement. So you start with something good. You put in there the thing that you have to say because sometimes we have to correct each other um, or say you've offended me and that's not necessarily easy to do and can cause hurt um, when someone doesn't necessarily realize that they've offended you but it's causing unforgiveness in your own heart which we're told not to have. Uh, anyhow, and then you finish it with Kindness and encouragement. We actively seek to make others feel at ease. Most people were at ease around Jesus. And if you're really exhibiting Christ likeness, then they should be truly at ease around each of us. We aren't threatened by opposition. We aren't being belittling or degrading. We aren't caught gossiping about our brothers and sisters who have fallen. Instead, we grieve and we pray for them. We receive constructive criticism from others well without going to a naturally defensive attitude or responding to criticism with aggression. Those who know us best will be honest with us if they really love us? And are we going to be blunt and aggressive back to them? Are we going to try to dominate them and prove them wrong? Or do we accept others' criticism with grace, with meekness, with gentleness? And we depend on the Holy Spirit to speak truth to us. He will identify specific instances when we fall in short So we can pray to have greater grace and gentleness with us. And so true Christians have an open heart to receive that prompting of the Spirit and say, I receive that. And you don't try to push it away and find something to busy your mind so you don't have to feel convicted. You accept that. We all know people who have been in church their entire lives, who have sat through probably countless, too many to count, sermons and Bible studies, who more than likely in many cases have an extremely strong understanding of and knowledge, and knowledge of the Scriptures, who may even hold leadership positions in this church or your church for wherever you're uh, attending, who could be characterized and probably are characterized as mean-spirited, contentious, cruel, maybe bitter. And while you're thinking of someone else right now, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe there's someone else who's thinking about you. Or maybe thinking about me. I'm not perfect. I try. Change is difficult, but in every difficult circumstance in life, God is offering you an opportunity to not respond as you habitually would, but to deliberately respond to the guiding of God's Spirit. Our continuation of sinful patterns of behavior and attitude is not the devil's fault, too often we say, the devil made we do it. We give, this is a big pet peeve of mine. I won't get into it, but we give way too much credit to Satan. And we don't take enough credit about our own actions. It's not the devil's fault. It's not the world's fault. The reason we continue to respond to people around us the same old way, even though we may not want to, but we still do it, is that we develop attitudes and habits that are now deeply ingrained. Dallas uh, Wilward, an American philosopher and a Christian, reminds us that, and I quote, habits are the primary form in which human evil exists in practical life. The most spiritual dangerous thing in me things in me are the little habits and thoughts, feelings, and actions that I regard as normal because everyone else is like that, and it's only human. If we could just understand what it means to truly die to self, then we could break the grip of these ingrained habits or behaviors that keep us from experiencing experiencing true, genuine, spiritual transformation. Here's the big news for today. A breaking story for today. Habits can be broken. The big question for you, for me, is do you want to be broken? Are you willing to allow yourself to be gentled? Will you allow yourself to be trained? Will you look at yourself with honest eyes? Think about yourself in an honest ways and allow the Holy Spirit to point out and accept when He is convicting you of a aggressive response, of an un-Christ-like response, when the way that you're acting or responding is out of line with what the Scriptures teach us. It's not easy to go counter-culture. It's not necessarily an easy road to respond in a way that Christ sets out for us because that's not what we see everyone else around us doing. But you will be such a difference maker for Christ in your home, in your workplace, in your schooling, if it's online, still counts. In day-to-day action, people will notice and you will be a difference maker For Christ, if you choose to respond with gentleness and with meekness, if you choose to correct yourself and allow the Spirit to speak to you. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Pastor Andrew will come to close our time together. Father, I just pray that Your Holy Spirit would move in my life. Father, we've been in this series of exploring the fruit of the Spirit. God, I pray that we would allow these things to be a part of who we are. That we would allow You to define us. That we would care more about what You think than what others think. Lord God, I just pray that You would break us of our haughty attitudes, Father God. That we would surrender to You. That we would be able to see others at ease around us, just as people were at ease around Christ. Thank You, God, for what You're doing. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Graham, for an excellent challenge to us today. And, uh we know that the times that we grow the most are the moments when we are under pressure and, and under difficult situations um and so I just want to encourage you today that uh you know this all of us feel the pressure of this current crisis in the world all of us feel that the you know the the restrictions, we feel the uh, uncertainties, we we feel this uh, together. And uh, I don't want myself, I don't want you to waste this opportunity for growth. God wants to grow us in this season. He doesn't want us to hit pause button and just just uh, go into to hibernation until it's all over. But he wants us to grow in the midst of it. And uh, I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God that is at work, growing me, growing us in the fruit of the Spirit, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I want to encourage you today to press into him, to learn and grow together, In those opportunities, when you want to behave one way, recognize the Spirit of God leading you probably in the opposite direction and choose all the way through this this series. We've been saying the, the thing that we have to do in this is to choose, to choose to live and behave like Christ. So I just want to encourage you, be blessed. Be blessed with God's presence through this week. Be blessed to grow in Him. And, uh, and stay connected. God bless you and have a great day. Amen.